As you announced, um, Officer Courtney Arrington, I've been at the police department for 14 years, basically. Um, I started out in patrol. From there, I went into detective work. I was a detective in crimes against children, basically. We call it the juvenile unit, but that's what it entails. And then I worked the fraud unit, which is where all of this knowledge comes from. Did that for a total of about eight and a half to nine years in that capacity um, in those two positions. And then 2015, I became the D.A.R.E. officer here. So now I teach in all the city and Catholic schools. Um, teaching dare to the kids and doing all our crime prevention stuff. So for us, crime prevention also entails like coming out and doing presentations and such. So when it comes to fraud, they pawn it to me because of the fact that I did it for so long. So they're like, hey, it's yours. Um, so that's kind of what we're going to do. We're going to go over a couple things. Um, the basic things I want to make sure we talk about are like counterfeit and forged checks, debit and credit cards, identity theft. Adult exploitation has gotten huge lately. Um, and then, of course, scams and then just online crimes. So that's kind of where we're going from here, I guess. Um, the first thing is counterfeit checks. Basically, it's just a check that has either been made fictitious, like there's nothing backing it. Someone's created a check where it didn't exist at all. It's completely fake. Um, and then forged is more so where someone steals your checks and they actually forge your signature to it or change some sort of information on it to forge it and make it their own. Um, the biggest thing with it is if someone steals your checks, you need to report it as soon as you can um, because the sooner you can get to your bank and let them know that information, the sooner we can do something about it because most of the time, people, when they're going to go cash a forged check, they're probably not going to go to a bank because banks check it. Whereas if they go to like a convenience store or a business somewhere that they don't necessarily have the ability to check the accounts immediately, then they can pass those checks and get them cashed pretty easily. So what happens then is say that check is bad because you've closed the account because you knew they were fraud. They will go to the county attorney's office first as a closed account check until we report it to the county attorney and you report it there saying, hey, these checks were stolen and forged, no one knows. So the gas station or wherever you cashed it at, not that I want to give them a bad name, but a lot of checks come through them because they have check cashing services, then those go to the county attorney and they may sit there for weeks until a warrant gets issued for you saying you have a cold check when in actuality your checks were stolen and forged. So that's why it's such an important issue is as soon as you find out your checks are stolen, get with your bank and let them know because the longer you wait, the harder it is for us to fix. We will get it fixed, but it's a lot harder. It takes a lot more time. Um, they will initially, yes. Um, then ultimately, um, if we find out who forged the check and charge them criminally, then they'll have to pay restitution back to that business or to the, the bank or wherever the check went through. Yep, correct. Very much so. Which is why it's good for you as a business owner or wherever to check things before you just cash a check randomly because it could come back on you. Um, basically, the biggest thing is to make sure you go to your bank. They'll give you what's called an affidavit of forgery. When you get that, they will give you copies of the checks that have been forged once they start coming through the bank and just bring it to the police department. If it happened in the city, it comes to us. If it happened in the county, it goes to the sheriff's department. Um, and basically, we'll, at that point, start investigating, trying to get video, trying to get any kind of information we can to try and prove who's done it. If you know who did it, even better. Um, but a lot of times, you know, if your purse is stolen or something, you may have no clue who did it. Um, so those are the biggest things because we have a whole lot of times where people report it to their bank. They just don't come to us for that second piece. Your bank is going to help investigate and try and refund you the money, but they're not going to charge anybody criminally because that's not their piece of the puzzle. 
So most banks are getting pretty good about it now to make sure that you have to bring them a copy of the police report so that way they know you filed it. Um, but some of them still don't require that. So it's really important to do both pieces, not just report it to your bank, but actually to us as well because we can't investigate it without it. Debit and credit cards have gotten really big, especially the past few years, because people are now actually making debit cards and credit cards themselves. Um, if they can skim your number at a gas pump or at any kind of location, an ATM, wherever, they actually are taking um, hotel keys, card stock that you can buy off the internet or wherever, and making their own credit cards with your numbers that they've skimmed. Um, and so they'll go into, I had a case several years ago that they went into um, a couple local businesses and used those cards and just at the self-checks and were able to get them to work because they had encoded them with that information they had skimmed. So it's very, very important to be careful with your cards. Don't just use them anywhere. Um, I'm pretty cognizant of where I use mine. I check my um, bank statement or check my credit card statement weekly at a minimum. I would like to say I do it daily. I have young kids. That doesn't always happen. Um, it's ideal if you do, but unfortunately I have young kids and it doesn't always work. Um, but I try and check it at least weekly to know if there's an issue because if you wait for that statement at the end of the month, it's it's really really big issue by then and they've already gone through a whole bunch of money um, beforehand now here's the difference debit cards if they use your money out of your bank account your bank account's going to go through as much money as you have in there until they stop using it i don't know how much you have in your account um, and they'll go through that the bank will ultimately have to have it filed through them for fraud and ultimately, um, if they prove that it's fraud, you'll get that money returned. But that will take a while. It takes a few weeks um, sometimes. Um, it won't take forever, but it can take up to a little while. Your credit card, the difference with it is if you use your credit card somewhere and it's fraud, you just call the credit card company and tell them, and you just don't pay this month for those charges while they're investigating. If they find it as fraud, you're relieved of it. If they prove that, no, you actually did it because you're in the store using it or whatever, then um, you'll be responsible. But that's the difference is you're kind of not out the money with your credit card because you can just say, hey, I didn't do these versus through a debit card, you're going to have to wait for the refund from the bank because that money's already gone through on the transactions. So. I do. Um, Yes, um, the, the question or statement is when you go to an ATM um, or you go to a um, gas pump, like actually yank on the thing where you scan your card through. Um, a skimmer is something that goes over top of that. So if there's one on there, in general, if you pull enough, it should come off because they're just kind of taped on there. Um, so yes, I, I do. My bank will tell you that if they watch the ATM video, I'm the person that tries to break the ATM. I don't really break it, but I just kind of lovingly pull on it a little to make sure it's not going to come off. Um, and then as long as it does not, then at least I feel a little bit safer. Could there still be one? Yes. Um, but I feel better knowing that I've at least checked. Um, so that's kind of what I do. But it is on the rise just because of the skimmer usage that is out there. Um, the breaches that are out there, you know, years ago, Target had the big issue with the breach in their stores um, <laughs> and, and there were several people locally that had issues because of that um, and so it's just it's important to just be cognizant of checking constantly can you prevent it 100 percent no I can tell you that you know I was a detective of, of fraud for years my husband and I traveled out of town he used his his card to pay for gas the only time we used it while on vacation we paid cash the rest of the time to try and prevent those things and we got home and had an alert that um, our card had been used within minutes of us using it there had been used overseas. My credit card company shut it down instantaneously
obviously because they knew I could not be in Alabama and also be in England at the same time. Um, so therefore they instantly, they didn't let anything touch my card and it was already closed. But then had we tried to use it later, luckily we didn't or we'd have been really mad when we could not get it to work in the middle of our trip. Um, so, you know, does that mean that you can stop everything? Most definitely not. But all you can do is be aware and try and do your best. Um, same information. Last thing on debit cards really quickly, don't give people your pin. And I know that sounds like common sense, but you'd be amazed how many people are like, hey, would you go get me lunch and give someone your pin? Or hey, would you go get this for me and give someone their pin if it's their friend or their neighbor or whoever? The issue with that is your bank in all that big form that you filled out when you signed on for your account has a statement in there that says if you compromise your pin, they are not liable of issues that come on your card. So say my boyfriend who lives with me pretend who I give my card and say, hey, go get this. And now he goes and spends hundreds and hundreds of dollars on it without my permission. It's very hard for us to prosecute criminally. And the bank almost always, I can't tell you always, I'm not a bank employee, but most of the time in my experience will not return that to you because you compromised your pen. So be aware of that. Don't write it down. Don't put it on the back of the card. Don't give it to someone because if you do, you're opening yourself up to the chance of it not being refunded. Can they still refund you? That's their choice, not mine. But I can tell you most of the time that will not happen. Um, surveillance video, if you're a business owner or you're aware of where your card's been compromised, try and get in touch with that place and make sure that they know something's happened so they'll save it. Some places in town, it just depends on how big their system is on how long their video stays. We have places that'll stay days, weeks, months, years. It just depends on the place. Um, so the sooner you report it, the easier it is for me as a detective when I was one to try and get that video because the sooner I know, the sooner I can get someone to go back and look at it. Just like here, if you all know something's happened here, save it immediately because if you don't, then by the time, yeah, by the time someone comes back, it, it may be gone. So just be aware of that. Uh, make sure that you file that report as soon as you can. Identity theft I want to touch on because we've had a ton of issues. Right before I left as a detective, I had um, probably 10 cases within about two months time period, which was a huge increase around tax time. Um, we've had a whole lot of, of tax issues lately. Basically, identity theft is just when someone takes your personal information, your name, date of birth, social, and uses it for their benefit, whether that's opening mortgages, whether that's opening credit cards in your name, checking accounts, whatever it is, but it's taking that information to open it and create accounts. A lot of times, people do not find this out until they try and file for their own credit. Because if I go out and open a credit card in your name, and I use it, and I pay a smidge each month, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever it is, or pay nothing, it takes a few months before that credit card company actually will put that card into collections. You ha we all know you have a few months to kind of default before they do so. Then they'll try and collect on your scammer first at those addresses they gave. When that doesn't work, they get the credit bureaus involved and usually it ends up tracking back finally to the actual person on that social um, and they will get in touch with you. I've had a whole lot of cases where instead, when people were trying to get their own credit, hey, I wanna go buy that car, I wanna go buy that house, I wanna go buy that whatever, that now when the bank ran their credit or wherever ran their credit, they find all these accounts that are delinquent that they never knew existed because it's coming up then. So be aware, um, at the end I show you um, how to get your credit report. You need to check it at least once a year. You can get one free report a year from each of the three credit bureaus. So you can actually, if you space it out, you could get three a year because each one of them is required to give you one free credit report. So you kind of have your choice of how you want to do that, but I, when 
again, prior um, to being crazy busy, I tended to do three a year. Now I usually do about one um, just because of time's sake. It, takes, it doesn't take that much time, but it's something that I forget to constantly do, but it is important to do. Um, deterrence is not going to stop identity theft because if you think about it, when someone steals their identity, they're not always local. So we run into a lot of jurisdiction issues. Um, I have a lot of cases I've worked here in town uh, for people that have been out of state, just the same as people here's locally identities get stolen and they're out of state. So then I have to call a different state to help me work your case. So we kind of run into a lot of jurisdiction issues with that. And it's really attractive for criminals as much as I hate to say that because there's not a lot of risk. It takes a lot to get caught. If you think about me having to call someone in New Jersey or me calling someone in California and hoping they'll work your identity theft case, it may happen, it may not. They may have thousands of them. Um, some jurisdictions have different dollar amounts and thresholds, so it just depends on you know, what they can do and not do, and sometimes they just can't track it down. Um, so it's important to understand that you know, the stats up here show you one in seven adult Americans have reported being a victim of identity theft. That's a huge number um, of people that are affected by it. It's a huge percentage. Um, I've worked, unfortunately, a whole lot of identity thefts here in town from kids on up. Um, so here's how it works. Basically, they're getting your identity. That's pretty easy. But how are they getting it? People always wonder, well, how did they get my stuff? Here's the ways. Sometimes it's just because you discard something, you throw something away that um, has your information on it. Hopefully, you know to shred those things. But a lot of times, it's um, it could be stolen mail from your mailbox. It could be your, your wallet that's lost because way too many people still carry those Social Security cards with them. Um, don't carry them with you, please. Lock them up somewhere in a safe. Don't carry them with you. You don't need them. Um, but a lot of people still do, especially um, the older generation people, because they, like my grandparents, still to this day, until I finally had a fit with them, did, because they grew up being told you have to always have it with you. It's another form of ID. Your license was not sufficient. It is. If they need more than that because you're applying for a job or something else, then take it to where you need to do it and then take it back and put it up. But don't keep it on a daily basis because that's how they're getting it. Um, they're also doing something. Years ago, I had a case of a 16-year-old here in town who basically had gone into a back door of an Internet um, provider um, website and was buying lists of names, credit cards, and information. So what happens is when people get your information, these scammers get your information, if it goes through and works... They like to sell it, and they sell these lists to other scammers who use that information. Um, I was able to actually help um, two people out of state whose credit card numbers were on that list that he had purchased um, to be able to charge him and to be able to take care of their issue for them. So there's lots of ways that your information gets out there, not just you throwing it out there. So just be aware of that. We can't prevent everything. Um, as it says, some go wholesale and actually just purchase them. Um, so be aware of that. Next, they exploit it, and there's multiple ways they do that. They open those accounts that I told you about. Some of them will go so far as actually to create a fake driver's license, identification card, social security card, credit cards. Um, they will get as much as they can so when they go in somewhere, if they have all those documents, people aren't going to question who they are um, because if they put a picture of themselves on a driver's license that says it's you, maybe people will actually follow through and, and let them use the transaction. Because some businesses have started doing, if you give a credit card, they make you show your ID also which I love, um, scammers hate because they don't always have that second piece of ID. So now they're getting a little smarter and kind of creating that. Um, the third thing they may do, like I said, is create new credit card accounts, mortgages, leases, apartments, um, anything that you do, they may do. 
um, because that's why they're exploiting it is to benefit from it. So how do we discover it? Unfortunately, as I told you, the vast majority is when your credit goes bad, truly, unless you're that person who checks it all the time. Most of the time, that's how we find out is you tried for that, you got that collection notice in the mail, and you're like, I don't have an account with that business. Why do I have this? Because of that, you start delving into it, you run your credit report, and now all of a sudden we realize that you have all these accounts that you didn't have before. Um, so be aware of that. Usually once the collections start, they drop your identity and move on. Why would I keep it? It does me no good. I can't use any more credit with it, so I'm done, and they'll drop it and move on to another one. So how do we report it? Biggest thing is, if you find something on your credit report, you need to contact all three credit bureaus because all of them have different information on them. A lot of it's the same, but some will have a little bit of slight difference in them. So you've actually got to contact them. I've got the FTC's website up here as well, um, and I can get it to you so you can put it wherever so everybody can have it um, since I know it's not being shown that way. Um, but you need to make sure you let them know that you've been a victim of identity theft. They will put a freeze or an alert on your credit, whichever you ask for them to do for you based on the fact that you have a police report saying that you had identity theft. So just make sure that you get that police report saying you had identity theft and they will put an alert on your accounts. So that way if someone tries to open something in the future, you will get notified and they will call and verify did you do it, did you not, um, versus it just being a free-for-all um, for someone to get as much credit as they want. The next thing I want to touch on really quickly with you all is adult exploitation. Um, this is the statute definition, so I'll read it to you quickly. It says, an adult means a person 18 years of age or older who because of mental or physical dysfunctioning is unable to manage his or her own resources, carry out the activities of daily living, or protect himself or herself from neglect, exploitation, or a hazardous abusive situation without assistance from others and who may be in need of protective services. Unfortunately, in my career, I've worked way too many of these exploitations, basically where a power of attorney, a nurse, a child, um, it could be a stranger, it does happen, but in general, it's usually someone close to them who has access to them because they have to have access to their bank accounts, they have to have access to their personal information to be able to exploit them financially at least. Um, so a lot of times it's a caregiver capacity, whether that's a child or a hired caregiver power of attorney, those type of things. Um, so basically these type of cases here, um, as it says, can usually be family members of the elderly, some sort of connection to them. And basically what you'll do is if you suspect that, here's the phone number to centralized intake, it's 877-597-2331. You report to them for child abuse or adult exploitation. So when you get into that system, they'll ask you the questions and you report it to them. But we ask that you report that because um, Kentucky has a, a statute in place that if you report it, say you think um, John Doe is being exploited by his daughter or whatever you think, and you report it, if we come back and prove she's really not, everything's fine, there's nothing legally that can come back on you. They can't sue you for saying that you tried to say something about them or anything else. Um, when you report to social services, it's completely anonymous to them. They may ask your information, but they don't report it. When I investigated these cases, I would ask the social worker, I'm like, well, who called this in? Because this just isn't making a lot of sense. I really want to ask them more information. And they cannot give me that source. Um, it's a protected source. So it's really, really important um, to report it. Um, by statute, you're actually required to report if you suspect that it's going on um, because there are those protections in place. So if you see it happening, if you know it's happening, please make sure you report it. Um, we get, uh, unfortunately, a lot of referrals for that. 
Scams is the biggest hot topic that I try and save towards the end other than online safety because people hear a thousand different scams every single day. Um, when I was a detective investigating fraud, I probably got sometimes 20 to 30 calls on this a day. Some days I would get just one or two, but in a week I would probably average at least 30 calls of people calling about different scams because it's just so prevalent. And our front desk officer gets a lot of them before they even got to me. Um, so basically what I ask people is this. If you think it's a scam, call us and ask us. I know that sounds crazy when you hear how many calls we get, but I'd rather you call me and ask than not call and then do it because once your money is sent, you're out of luck. I, I don't have a very good way of getting it back at all. Very slim have I been able to do so, and I'll kind of tell you along the way some of the examples of what I've seen. Um, this one is huge. Um, basically, it's called the credit card scam. I'm sure you've had the phone call on your cell phone. Hi, I have important information for you. I can help do this for you, right? Um, it's Whether it's, hey, um, you can go on the do not call registry, but it really has not helped tremendously. I still have some as well. Um, yep, I, I get them, unfortunately, several times a week. I usually just block them on my phone, but... Um, it still, it changes numbers occasionally, but it has stopped it a little bit. Um, but basically, they usually call you and they say, hey, there's a problem with your credit card. We need your credit card number. If it's your credit card company calling, they already have your number. I know that sounds common sense, but here's what happens. They get you on the phone and they're speaking fast, like I always do. I, I'm sorry. Um, but second of all, they're trying to pressure you, saying, look, we have to have this information now. Sometimes they'll say, well, this transaction's not going to go through. If you do not tell us now, you have to tell us now or this is going to happen or whatever threat they come up with. So people give it to them because we don't give you enough time to think. If you had time to think, all of us, as you're shaking your heads, would be like, well, my credit card company would have to have my number because it's on their screen. You're correct. But they don't give you the time to think of that. So be aware of that. Um, if they're calling you, they should already have it. So if they need it, then they're obviously not your credit card company. Hang up. And if you think it really was your credit card company, I've done this, I'll tell you. Um, I, ha I have a, a visa with Capital One, and they called me in, about fraud. And I was like, and they asked me some sort of verifying question. I'm like, I don't think you should have to ask me that. And I hung up on them. Truly, I called my number that I knew was them, called and talked to them, and they're like, yeah, actually, we do show someone called you. About. I'm like, great, but I'm not going to give you the information if I never called you and I don't know who you are, and you're asking something just a little off that normally I've never been asked to provide. I just hung up on them and said, hey, if you're legitimately Capital One, I'll call you back. Click. Let me go to my card, the back of my card, where I know the phone number's legit. I'll call you myself, and I did. And they were like, yes, it was us. I'm like, great. And they're like, we appreciate that. We understand. I'm like, okay. So if you don't know, hang up and call them back. It's not a big deal. Um, after the Target scam, this became really big. And the reason it became very big was because sometimes on some of those skimmers, they got your card number, but they may not have got all the pieces of information they needed. They may not have that code on the back of your card, that three-digit code, the CSC code, or they might not have that expiration code. If they didn't get all of it and they were trying to make purchases online, they needed that. So they can call and say, hey, there's a problem with your card. It looks like your security code's not working. Can you verify it for me? And when you tell them, oh, it's 643, they're like, oh, great, thanks. Now they can hang up on you and go make all the purchases they want online. That's when it got really big. Um, was right around that time, not just here, but it seemed like everywhere where I have friends that work fraud, we were discussing how big it had gotten around that time because everybody was looking for those last pieces of info that they just didn't have. So be aware. Direct deposit. This one seems to happen, at least in the cases I've worked, 
beginning and end of month or right around times for checks to hit, meaning Social Security checks, your benefit checks, your retirement checks, things of those, those magic dates, 1, 15, 30-ish, when you usually get your direct deposit. People will call and say, hey, there's an issue with your direct deposit. We can't put it in this month because there's an issue with your bank account. We need to verify the account number. Or our system you know, had to, an upgrade, and now we don't have your account number. We, need to, we want to put your money in, but we need to know what your account number is. They just want your account number. They're obviously not depositing it. If it was your Social Security check, they would deposit it, as always. If nothing's changed from last month, it should not be an issue. Um, if you think it is, like, hey, I did get a new bank account, like I had a woman who did. She's like, well, I really did change accounts in the past couple months. Maybe there is an issue. Call Social Security office yourself and work it out. Don't deal with the person on the phone because legitimately she unfortunately gave the information out and it was not obviously Social Security office and her account got a lot of money out of it. So be aware of that. They should already have that account number. Um, online scams, there are so many. The biggest issue with it is, I don't know how many people have social media, but it is the biggest issue in the world. Um, I have social media too, don't feel bad. Um, but the more we put on there, the more people we link ourselves to. My dad is so-and-so, my mom is so-and-so, my sister is so-and-so. Then when we get to some of these grandparent scams and others, I think grandparent is next, yes. Um, the, like I had an elderly woman, she got a phone call from a person who said her grandson was in jail in Mexico or whatever country, and she had to send money now. They put him on the phone, supposedly, and she's like, Mark, is that you? Well, of course, then they used Mark for the rest of the conversation. She didn't remember saying his name, but the more I asked her, she was like, yeah, I think I actually did. She had one grandson. They had gotten online and found the information. She had just, she didn't have a big Facebook, but she had some stuff. And they had found the information, I'm guessing, there or who knows where else, Ancestry.com or who knows what else, but they found it. They, it. It's so easy. And so they contacted her and told her that her grandson was in jail. She only had one, so therefore she believed instantly when they called him by name because she had one. And um, she sent $60,000 the first time. The bank called us after she sent that um, and reported it to us through those chains. Um, I went out and talked to her, and she had withdrawn that day another 40000 to send. Um, I told her about it. I spent probably two hours at her house talking her off a ledge, telling her he wasn't going to die, he's fine. Finally found in her house, going through her important papers, a phone number to her grandson. We called from my cell phone, and he answered. We talked to him. I told him what was going on. Please verify to Grandma that you're fine. We did, and luckily she took that money and obviously put it back in the bank. Um, but she would have sent them $100,000 um, in a day, um, or about two days, I guess. And the bad part of that is because she did, that same thing I told you earlier about selling people's information, she called me probably for the next six months, almost daily, of people sending her stuff in the mail, people calling, people threatening her. She wouldn't change her phone number because she'd had it for so many years, and I understand that. But because she had sent it, if your one phone call got you 60000 would you not tell everybody in the world how to do it? Of course you would, if you're a scammer and a, an illegitimate person. And so her information got sold, I'm guessing, to a bunch of people because she was contacted daily about it. Um, so be aware, if you fall victim to a scam, no matter how much you send, it's going to increase for a while before it gets better because one phone call got them this much money, why not try more, um, unfortunately. Sweepstakes winners. You win the lottery in whatever country. I've won a lot of them. I haven't ever received any money, in case you're wondering. Um, people call me all the time. They're like, I won money in Jamaica. I'm like, great, you're never going to get it. Um, you don't win things you don't enter. If it sounds too good to be true, it is. 
Um, and if you have to pay money to claim your prize, then it's definitely not legitimate. That's you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he still delivers checks or not, but that's about the only halfway legitimate, and I, I still don't like that one either because people, I had years ago a, a created letter of one of those. Um, I have a real one, and then I have a fake one, and it looks very similar. Um, and this woman was sending money to claim for a publisher's clearinghouse, but it wasn't a real publisher's clearinghouse form. So I, even though that one is is its own thing and, and seems to be legit. I still don't trust it because I had a little old lady who's lo who looked horrible um, and she was supposed to pay a bunch of money to get it. So obviously the broken English in it and all the different things, there were too many red flags in it to prove it wasn't. But that being said, she's like, but it's Publishers Clearinghouse. It has to be real. I'm like, no, it doesn't. Um, so be aware of that. Even though some of those are legitimate, um, be careful because some of them, they just make them look like that. Um, if they send you a check, never deposit it. Here's the deal. If you deposit that check that's made payable to you for whatever the purpose, for you to claim your winnings, that you owe $500, we'll send you a check for 1000 send us the fees back, and so on. 99.9% .9 of the time, those checks are fake. Um, they're either off someone's stolen account, they're just made-up checks, there's nothing to back them. When you go cash that at your bank, in a day, a week, two weeks, however long it takes to come back is bad, you're on the hook for that amount. And if you've already sent that money overseas to get your supposed winnings, you may owe $3,000, $5,000, I've seen as high as 10000 that they've cashed and sent. And now they owe it to the bank and they don't have it to pay. Um, so be aware, don't cash checks through your account. In that big agreement that you signed, you said you would be liable for things that come through your account. And that's one of them. So be aware of that. Um, there's all sorts of other ones. We won't go through all of those, but um, th some big ones online are paying, like you, you put something online to sell your vehicle, your, um, your boat, your whatever. Someone will say they'll pay you, but then they send you the check for extra. Send us it back. Y'all seem like great people, but I'm not going to send you $3,000 and hope you send 2000 back. You seem like upstanding people, and I'm sure you'd send it back, but I just don't trust you enough to send you extra. And who would? No one would. I don't care if you're my best friend. I'm not going to give you more money than you deserve and just hope you send it back to me, you know, especially to a stranger across the country I've never met. Um, and you all laugh now, but yet people do it every day because they think that, yes, it's legit. And I'm like, I wouldn't send you money and you're sitting in front of me. I wouldn't give you 3000 and hope you give it back. So why would I send it to New York and hope you send it back to me? So be aware because people do it all the time. My, my secretary sent the wrong check to you. Could you just cash it and send it back? It's okay. No, because it's not going to be a good check. Um, basically, the biggest thing is, if it sounds too good to be true, it is. There's just stuff you don't get for free. It's just not that way. Um, Cybercrime I want to touch on really quickly, and then I'm going to let you all answer as many questions as I can for you all. Um, in 2012, identity theft cost about $24 billion, and it's only 9.8% of cybercrime. Um, the stats that I found, the closest I found for right now to where we're at is 2014. It's about 15.4. I don't know if we've gotten better at keeping it from actually costing money. Um, we stop it before there's a whole lot of expense or if um, they're just not spending as much. I'm not sure of why there's such a downfall between the two years. Um, I'm happy that there is, but there's quite a downfall. So here's the top five or top ten crimes that um, are on um, National Crime Prevention Council's website. It talks about the non-delivery of payments and merchandise, stuff you order offline and you pay for and you just don't ever get. Huge issue. Um, we run across to, you have had that issue? I'm having it right now. 
see, it happens, um, unfortunately. Um, if it's something that happened local, like if I bought it from you and you didn't give it to me, um, there is a state statute for that purpose, um, theft by failure to make required disposition of property. Um, if it's out of state, it makes it a little harder for us. You have to contact that state's jurisdiction to help you, or if it's like through an Amazon, an eBay, a PayPal, those places usually will help you as well um, to try and get those things back or get your money back for not receiving the item. Um, FBI, of course, related scams. Last, I guess it's been probably three or four years ago, we had a huge uptick in people coming in to the police department telling us they got a call saying that they were the FBI and if they didn't pay this much money, they were going to go to jail today for whatever crime they supposedly committed. Um, last time I checked, FBI does not make phone calls to serve arrest warrants. We don't either. We just come serve them. So when we come show up and say you're under arrest, that's normally when it happens, not when we just call you. Um, but they were telling people they had to keep, stay on the phone, they had to go to Walmart, they had to go to whatever bank, and they had to send money immediately. And so the way the scammers are doing it is because they never let you hang up the phone, and they constantly keep telling you more and more stuff to pressure you until you send the money. As soon as you send the money, they hang up the phone, and they're gone, and your money's gone too. So we had an issue with that. Identity theft we talked about. Um, computer crimes, there's always issues with that. I am not the IT person, but I can tell you we get way too many issues with people taking over your computer um, or putting viruses on your computer and getting information. You would speak much better to it than I would, um, but there is an issue, I promise you, because it comes to us way too often. Sweepstakes winners we talked about, home scams. The advanced fee frauds, those are like the Nigerian scams. You have to pay this much money to get whatever. We, we make you pay a fee before you get the funds. Um, unsolicited stuff, people get mass bulk mailings trying to get you to send money back. Auction fraud, um, I had one of these not about five, six years ago. A gentleman bought a vehicle offline. He was sending money to one state. The driver from a different state was going to drive the car to him and it was going to end up here. So there's about three states listed in these emails. And what had happened was a scammer went to a car lot in New York, took pictures of the vehicle, pictures of the VIN, posted it online. Most car dealers have a Carfax on their car. So he said in his ad online, look up the Carfax, you'll see. I mean, this car is legit. People looked it up. It was legit. It was being sold, just not sold by him. Um, they sent $35,000 to buy this car. When I contacted, I ran the VIN number, found out that it belonged to that dealer, um, contacted the dealer in New York, and they had said that week alone they had received eight different phone calls about that vehicle being sold. So some scammer made 240000 or more in about a week um, by selling that car online. It happens all the time. Um, so be aware when you buy stuff online, buyer beware is legitimately the truth. Um, credit card fraud we talked about and overpayment fraud we talked about. So the biggest thing that I tell people is to try and help with cybercrime, here's what you can do. Obviously, keep your system up to date. Keep all the antivirus stuff you can have. Keep firewalls. Keep all those things up to date. Don't just let them go. Um, make sure you have strong passwords. Don't tell people about your password. Don't use the same password for everything. Um, don't write your passwords down where people can find them. Um, those type of things because if you put at least, you know, a mixture of letters, numbers, characters, different things in it, it helps. I'm not saying nobody can ever get it just saying that it's better than nothing, okay? Um, I can't say that anything's foolproof, as we all know, um, but try and make sure you do that. Antivirus software, protect your personal information. You would be amazed at how many people, and they don't think about it, on their Facebook have their phone number listed, have 
their address list and have pictures of them in front of their house with their house numbers on their house. Um, you know, have information that you don't really realize is out there. Um, one of the cases I do when I do internet safety with the teenagers, I tell them there's a girl who was talking about it was her birthday and she was just talking about today was her birthday. Well, on her on her Facebook, she had her address in there where you could find it if you looked in all the stuff. It wasn't listed. She wasn't trying to invite you to her house. She just mentioned, hey, today's my birthday. Um, it ended up $50,000 it cost her family because of all the people who came over to her house and trashed her house when she was having just a small get-together. Because she invited no one on Facebook. She was just talking about, hey, so excited, today I turned 14, or whatever her age was. And all these people came and showed up and, and destroyed the house. Um, so be aware of that. Don't post pictures. I don't know if they got in or if they just messed outside. I don't know. It didn't. The article didn't allude to much because it wasn't here in Kentucky, um, but it just talked about being aware of that on giving information because, unfortunately, with all that information, 500, 600 people showed up and, and came to say hello. Um, so be aware of that. Um, be aware of posting if you're going to be out of town. Like, I post pictures of my vacation when I'm back in my house. My husband thinks I'm dumb, but I do it because I don't want people knowing I'm out of town. Um, so I don't post it till I return home. I'm like, hey, look at me. Isn't it cool? Um, I had fun, but we're back. Um, so be aware of that. Don't give out that personal information. If you start getting stuff with, not that I'm the perfect grammar person, but you know what I'm saying, when it doesn't make any sense at all, it's so broken because it's, someone's translated English from another language into English and it's not proper. Be aware of that because I get all these emails from people that they bring to us and they're like, do you think this is real? And I can read about two sentences and I can tell you very quickly that it's not real. I'm not perfect at grammar either, but I'm not that bad. So therefore, I can look at it pretty quickly and be like, no, that is not right at all. So be aware of that. Be careful of that. Um, read the fine print on websites. Be aware of what's going on. Um, is your information going to stay there forever? As we talked about, make sure you review your financial statements. Please turn off your computer if you're not using it so it's not being used and open. Um, there's a case that I tell those teens about again of a person who took over a teenager's computer and used her webcam to take pictures of her um, at her house because she left her computer on all the time. So be aware of that. Um, my computer's never on unless I'm using it. I just have it shut and never on. Um, so be aware of that. <laughs> I can't speak to those. Um, I, but yes, um, so be aware of that. Just don't leave it on. Um, I don't download things if I don't know what they are. Free screensavers and other stuff, I don't download them. My IT people will tell you that we're not allowed to download anything at work, period, um, without their permission. But be aware of that. Here's that website, annualcreditreport.com. It's very easy. There's another one that's similar to that that says freeannualcreditreport.com. I don't use that one. Use this one. Um, because the other one, when you go through it, I had a person try, and it's tried charging them at the end of that website. I don't know why. It's an offshoot of people trying to get you to use this. So the actual one is annualcreditreport.com. It's the one um, that's backed um, by the FTC and all those places that they'll send you to here, and you can actually get one free from each bureau. So when you do it, it will give you a couple options. It will say, do you want one from TransUnion? Do you want one from Equifax? Do you want one from Experian? Or do you want all three? Pick one of them at a time, and you can get three spaced out in the year. If you do all three at once, then you're going to have to wait till next year to get all three, which is fine. Um, but it depends on how you want to space it out, basically. So be aware of that. Make sure you lock down your home network if you have Wi-Fi at your house. I know that sounds common sense. But if you don't have a password on your Wi-Fi at your house, I can sit in front of your house and use your Wi-Fi which is all fine and dandy, except if I'm doing things that are not so legal. 
So um, I have Wi-Fi at my house, but it has a really long password on it. Um, and the reason is exactly that, because we'll do search warrants for like cases where someone has used um, Wi-Fi to order stuff with a fake credit card or someone has downloaded child pornography or whatever the case may be. Well, when we find that IP address and we do the search warrant for it, it may come back to your house, not someone else's, if your Wi-Fi is not locked down because they're sitting in front of your house doing it. Um, so be aware of that. Make sure you have a password on it if you do have Wi-Fi. If you don't, you're good. But if you do, be aware. Um, watch what your kids do online. If you have kids, mine are young, so they don't have online yet. Um, but when they do, this will happen at my household. Because if they're posting information and too much information, they're giving way too much information that you don't want people knowing. You don't want people knowing everything about you and when you're home. And like I tell them, if every day I post at 3 p.m. I'm at the library and at 4 p.m. I'm at soccer practice and at 5 p.m. I'm at the mall and at 6 p.m. I'm here, then that person who now thinks I'm really, really attractive online and wants to come see me knows that every single day at Monday at 3 o'clock Courtney's at the library and at 4 o'clock she's at soccer and at 5 o'clock she's at the mall. I can just wait for you at any one of those places because I know you're going to be there because you post it every single day. Um, if I check in somewhere, which is non-existent, but occasionally, I check in when I'm home. I check in that, hey, I was there working out earlier. Glad, glad, yeah, well, sometimes it's because we're lazy. Um, sometimes it's because I just don't want people knowing where I was. Um, so be aware of that. Make sure you watch what they're posting. Um, be aware of what you do when you're in a public place on your computer. Everybody who walks by can see what you're doing. If you're on public Wi-Fi, then they might be able to access it. Um, if you're using a wireless network, be careful because there's a study that I researched when I did this presentation a few months back. They did a research of Chicago O'Hare Airport. You know, they have tons of Wi-Fi networks there that you can get on. 80% of those were scammers when they checked. 80% of those. Because why wouldn't you when you're in a place where everybody and their brother wants to get on free Wi-Fi? Um, so be aware of what you're doing um, when you're doing things out and about. Make sure it's actually legitimate. Don't just do it because you need it. Um, so 40% of all home networks do not turn on a password. It just is how it is. All right, here's Western Union information. Um, I'll make sure, like I said, I will send these to you so you can post them if you need them. It's basically just information if you ever have fraud, especially with adult exploitation or some of these other scams where you've sent money. Hey, I sent money Western Union because I fell for that scam. Now I realize it's a scam. What do I do? Here's what you do. You contact these people. If it's a senior, you actually can send them a letter. So say grandma keeps sending them money and she won't listen to us. She thinks it's legit. No matter how much we tell grandma to stop doing it, she still does it. Um, this is what I recommend the family members to do. You can actually send them a letter to this information, tell them, you know, grandma or senior's name, address, phone number, whatever, and all the ones they've already sent, and they will help block any from being sent in the future. So they can help prevent that. They'll put their name on the list that cannot send. Um, so, and then to report fraud, it has a phone number. The same thing for MoneyGram that you can do. Um, Attorney General's Office and Federal Trade Commission will have those numbers to give to you as well. If you have an issue and, and you need to report, you can do that. And then, obviously, lastly, um, just our phone number and some of the other phone numbers like the Internet Crime Complaint Center and such. So. If you put, I have never had an issue with them doing it. Most of the time, it's pretty easy for them to verify. Reason being, most of the people that I try and get that. I try and tell family members to get blocked are people that have sent money to Nigeria, Jamaica, um, all these hot countries that they're sending money constantly and lost money. And it's pretty common sense when they look at it on the train of the history of all of a sudden they're sending all this money um, to these people. The biggest issue with those is when you send money, <coughs> Western Union and MoneyGram, 
the scammers will tell you to give a password, like a color or a shape or a something to them. That password was actually created with those people. So say you're in wherever, even a local state. You're in Texas and you lose your wallet. Hey, honey, I need you to send me money. I need to get home. I don't have an ID. I don't have anything. My wallet's gone. I'm in Texas. I want to get home to Kentucky on the bus. Send me a bus ticket. Send me some cash. <coughs> Western Union created that. So I could go up and say, hey, I'm Courtney Arrington. The password is blue. I'm supposed to be getting $500 from John Doe. And they would give it to me without an ID because I lost my wallet. I don't have one. Now scammers are asking that and telling you to put a password saying it's more secure so they never have to show an ID when they pick it up. Because Western Union and MoneyGram will record all that information. They have video at almost every one of their sites. They record your driver's license. They actually scan them and keep pictures of them. They are a great source of information for us when we are trying to investigate. But scammers are doing it the opposite way to keep from having to give that information. So be aware of that. <coughs> but I've never had an issue with trying to block someone and it not being a legitimate purpose. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it would be an issue as, as far as people doing it. They do some sort of an investigation, I know, um, but they also are looking at the track record of, of people and who's picking it up and that kind of thing. <coughs> Excuse me. Any other questions or information you want to know? If you're currently talking to somebody who you know is trying to commit fraud, yes. can you call the police on another phone line and have them find out? Okay, so if you're talking to someone who you know is committing fraud, can you call us and try and have us help deal with it? Yes, if it's local. Meaning if, say, I know that John Doe is at Kroger right now trying to use a fake credit card or use a stolen credit card or whatever. Um, no, um, we could get, depending on what's happening, um, we may be able to get search warrants. You would probably be better served to actually call the phone company yourself, and they'll be able to tell you what phone numbers are calling you and who they're from. Um, we would have to be able to get a search warrant to get any of that information. So it depends on what we can show is happening before we'd be able to get a search warrant. Right, yeah. Um, we had several a couple years ago that were calling people, telling them their computers were messed up and they were Microsoft and they had to unlock their computer for them. And if you paid this much money, they'd fix it. Um, and basically, we just told everybody to, to not answer it and such because, unfortunately, there's so many ways to spoof your phone number right now that it's very difficult to track some of those phone calls. Not saying impossible. We do have luck, but it is difficult for sure. Anything else? I still, when I go on vacation, I'm not going to say that I never use a credit card. I still do. Um, I just am very aware of if I do to make sure that I just check it um, constantly while I'm gone to make sure that nothing's happened. I would never say don't do it because I don't want people to be inconvenienced. And that's not the stance of OPD that you can't ever use your credit cards, obviously. Um, but at the same point, it's just a, a thing that I personally do because I, I try my best to prevent it. But like I said, we, we did a couple years ago and used it while we were out of town and it got compromised. I've done it and it not be compromised too. Um, my family's out of state. Yeah. 
it happens, but it also happens to the best of people who constantly, like I said, very rarely do we do it, and it still happened the one time we did. Um, and then at the same point, I have family who lives out of state. I travel to them constantly. When I go there, I don't even think about always getting cash before I go. I've gone back and forth there hundreds of times in the past 10 years, and I've never had an issue. You know, it, it just depends. You can hit that rogue machine no matter what you do. Um, but it is an option. Um, the, the issue is now if you lose your wallet, then you've lost all your cash too. So that's something to be aware of. That's why a lot of people still won't. They'd rather take the chance of their card getting compromised and then therefore get it canceled and fixed than to have um, the opposite happen where they have their wallet with all their cash. They took $500 with them. They lose it and now they're out $500. Yeah, if you leave anything in plain sight in vehicles, it's it's not always guaranteed to be stolen, but it's a very big invitation. Yeah, <laughs> true. But anywhere when you leave something in plain sight, um, it, it's pretty uh, it's pretty good odds that something could happen. Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely something to be aware of. It, it's kind of one of those things you pick. The, your choice of evil. Is it easier to use my credit card everywhere and hope it doesn't get compromised and then just call the credit card company and fix it if it is? Or is it better for me to carry that much cash and then if I lose my cash, then I'm out that much money? So that's, you got to weigh each one. Yes. And that's the biggest thing I tell everyone. I would never tell you not to use a debit card. I'd never tell you not to use a credit card and only use cash. I will tell you just keep track of it. I use both of them daily, but I keep track of them. So I know if something's out of the ordinary very quickly. And that's just the best, is if you can get it fixed immediately, no matter which way you go, it's just easier.